So uh, let's begin, right? We're in the beginning of October. So uh, Russ sent this up uh, just a little bit, but let me, um, let me say this. Um, about a month ago, beginning of September, I think it was September 1st or 2nd or somewhere right around there, I spoke on the value of together. So if you remember through September, we went through our values. Uh, I was the first one up and I spoke on our value of together and said in that talk that it was really the beginning of a two-part series that I would then follow up in the beginning of October today. But in actuality, it really was kind of the intro Sunday, that talk that I gave in, uh, in early September, was really kind of the intro Sunday to the entirety of the month of October as we're looking at this idea of better together. Uh, so over the course of October, we're seeking to give context and praxis or practice to our value, that value of together. What does being together actually look like? How should it form us as individuals and how should it form us as a community? So that's what we're doing uh, today and then what we'll be tracking down throughout all of October. One quick disclaimer, and I think this is kind of an important thing, and this will be just specific to this morning, maybe not necessarily um, in the following weeks, but specifically for this morning. Uh, I'm talking about those who call New Community Church their home. All right. So although I think it's an important discussion, uh, talking about being together with the world, with the like global church or uh, your brothers and sisters who worship at a different church uh, across the street at Mosaic or across the world in Africa, wherever, what I will specifically be talking about this morning is those who call this their church home. Okay, so people that call New Community their church home, those who are sitting here right now, those who uh, maybe are a part of this church but aren't here this morning. And I think that uh, might be helpful for us as we talk about uh, the idea that I want to talk about this morning. So let's start this way, that the foundational <clears throat> premises that Christian community is vitally important. All right, so we lay that as a foundation that we all can agree and believe in the statement that Christian community is vitally important. Now, you could look to Acts 2, kind of that famous passage about how uh, the first followers were living together. You could look at Hebrews, but I really want to turn to uh, Paul in his letter to the church in Ephesus, Ephesians 3, 8 through 12, and it says this, to me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. In a similar vein, Jesus speaks to uh, the importance of Christian community by saying this, <clears throat> a new commandment I give you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know you are my disciples if you love one another, John 13, 34 through 35. So Christian community is vitally important because through it, A, the wisdom of God will be made known to the world, 
and B, it's the way that disciples are recognized and Jesus can be seen. All right? So these truths alone are the impetus for why we, as a new community, stake so much of who we are and what we are about on this idea of together, this idea of community. Being together is not simply a rule that we follow or a best practice, but it is absolutely vital. As I spoke in September, it's how we are formed as people. It was the designed intention in the garden from the very, very beginning. And as I'm contending today, it's the vehicle by which this world can be made better and the king that we follow can be made known. So over the course of the following weeks, there are many different ideas and encouragements of how we can best live with one another. But this morning, I want to focus in on one singular thing, and it's the idea of commitment, all right? The idea of commitment. <clears throat> now, truth be told, this is literally one of my favorite topics, commitment. Uh, it's one of my personally uh, most held, deeply held values in my own life. And in fact, uh, earlier this week, I was working on this mes message in a coffee shop, which is where I typically do uh, a lot of kind of sermon prep and stuff. I was there. I had earphones in and a, a friend and acquaintance came by and uh, just was uh, getting a cup of coffee and stopped by and we were having uh, kind of exchanging, you know, what's going on, what's new with work. And they asked, uh, oh, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm working on a, on a sermon prep for this weekend. Great. What are you talking about? I said, actually, I'm talking about the idea of commitment. And I kid you not, this person looks right at me, gave me this enormous eye roll and said, of course, you're talking about commitment. <clears throat> I don't know if that was a compliment or not. It certainly didn't seem like it in the moment. But uh, those who know me, those who uh, are friends with me, those who have, uh, I've spent life with would tell you that commitment is one of those things that I respect and one of those things that I admire in other people. Big or small, short-term or long-term, people who allow their lives to be shaped in and through loyally committing to things are some of the people that I enjoy most. So I want to explore this idea of commitment because I believe it's a forgotten value in our modern time. And specifically, I think it's overlooked in our aspect and our understanding of church practice, especially given the predominant culture of Christian consumerism that we live in, All right? We are slow to commit, I believe, because options and variety we believe, lead to the greatest satisfaction in life. The more options we have, the more variety we have in our life, we believe will lead us to the greatest amount of satisfaction. Mark Manson says that all this really creates is nothing more than what's called the paradox of choice. He says the more options we're given, the less satisfied we become with whatever we choose because we're aware of all the other options we're potentially forfeiting. So think about it in one very, very small, insignificant value, or one, uh, not value, example, sorry, RSVPs. How many people currently have some sort of an RSVP sitting on a counter or on a refrigerator right now? How many of those people have yet to respond to that RSVP? 
Everybody has. Okay, so that's great. You guys are uh, certainly on top of the game. I currently have two uh, email evites that are just waiting. I've uh, marked them as unread. I know when the date is, but I've marked them as unread. I have not responded to them because that's just what I do, right? And I believe many of us in this culture just kind of hang on to those RSVPs and we don't actually commit to it until we absolutely have to. I believe we desire flexibility. We desire freedom. We desire the ability to choose what we want to do far more than committing to a specific event in the future. And it's not difficult to see the same tendency throughout uh, many different aspects in our culture. So many of us resist to commit in the first place because we believe in the, uh, we will have the maximal perceived freedom if we don't have to commit to something. We have the ability to adapt, the ability to choose all the way up into the end, and so we want to hang on to commit. And then if we were really honest, sometimes we just willingly break our commitments if they don't ultimately benefit us in the end. You're invited to the thing, you say you're going to go, but then something better comes up, and you say, nah, I'm just not going to show up because this better option came up. The more we as people try to keep our options open, try to maximize the variety of opportunities in front of us, the more likely I believe we are to be unsatisfied. Our culture rewards self-interest far more than self-sacrifice. Our culture promotes self-interest far more than self-sacrifice. We are far better at finding easier ways out than we are living into a life of discipline. Now, RSVPs, although frequent, are eternally insignificant. So my question to you is, what about commitment to your work? What about commitment to an organization or commitment to a friend or commitment in marriage? It doesn't take long to see the wreckage that can be and has been caused in this diminishing importance of commitment in our culture. Manson goes on to conclude by saying, and what I have discovered is something entirely counterintuitive, that there is freedom and liberation in commitment. I have found increased opportunity and upside in rejecting alternatives and distractions in favor of what I have chosen to let truly matter to me. So what if Manson is right? That commitment as an action, the, the very place of commitment in our lives is where freedom and liberation truly exist. <clears throat> in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus speaks to this idea of oaths. Matthew 5, 33 through 37. And he says this, again, you have heard that it was said of those to the old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is the footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. 
Anything more than this comes from evil. Now, as with many of Jesus' teachings, there are multiple layers that we could look at. So you could read this and you could begin a discussion about kingdom allegiance versus state adherence. You could begin a discussion about the motivation of the very speech that we use. But I think Jesus was also speaking about commitment in this place. He's speaking about this idea of the kind of people that we should be, a people whose words and actions are grounded and formed in and through our commitments. Bruner, who uh, used to teach at Whitworth, uh, writes this unbelievable commentary on Matthew, and he says this specific to this passage in Matthew 5. The positive focus of Jesus' command of truth, in summary, is this. The whole of Christian speech is to be invisibly oath-laden, transparently honest. When a Christian says, I'll be there, the Christian will be there. When a Christian joins a group or enrolls in a course or accepts an invitation, the Christian fully means what that act entails and is faithfully there. You see, Jesus' oath command demands certain things of our character. It calls us to be a certain way. And it's only in this way that I believe we can truly love. For unconditional and transformative love is built upon commitment. The love that Jesus calls us to embody with one another and commitment are intrinsically linked. They cannot be broken. They go hand in hand together. Now, you can be kind. You can be generous. You can be graceful. You can be forgiving. But you cannot fully love without commitment. And without commitment, we cannot embody our value of together. If we are constantly keeping our options open or always reaching for the ripcord, then I don't think we're actually practicing togetherness. I don't think we're actually living in community. Jean Vanier says this, commitment in Christian community is the degree to which a person has given up self-interest for the good of the larger community. The amount of personal investment and sense of belonging in the community and the degree to which one's whole future is seen as linked with that of the community. Our Christian community, Newcom, like I said, is only healthy if it's filled with people with this type of heart. Those who have given up self-interest and whose futures are linked to the community. And I believe it's in this willingness to commit in that way to commit in that degree that true love can abound in this place. So rather than referring to a six-point plan of how this might look or, uh, you know, uh, these four or five steps will lead you to commitment in this way, I thought that maybe speaking to a real human being this morning might be helpful to illustrate this point, all right? Uh, might be helpful to illustrate what community might look like. So it's uh, my deep pleasure to bring up my good friend, Julie Jones. Let's welcome up Julie. Hi, Julie. Hi. I literally just grabbed a baby, and then I had to handle 
Oh. Maybe because I didn't realize it was my birthday yet. Yeah. It would have been way cuter had she been up here today. <clears throat> um, so uh, those of you who don't know, Julie Jones, uh, been on staff for how many years? Five years? Six years? Something along those lines. Julie is one of my closest friends. Julie and I have known each other for about 10 years now. Uh, it's an absolute privilege to uh, be able to work alongside Julie. But more than that, Julie and I have been in small group for uh, probably seven or eight years now, maybe a little bit longer. And uh, our families uh, love each other very, very well. We spend a lot of time together. She is one of my favorite people. Uh, and in, in that way, yeah, is, yeah, I've actually never given her this many compliments uh, in a row. <clears throat> in that way, um, our friendship is actually probably more akin to like a brother-sister relationship. Me being the younger brother, her being far older than me. <clears throat> yeah, him um, poking the bear. He knows exactly yeah. how to push my button. Um, so, um, but in all seriousness, the reason why... Uh, I thought this might be an interesting way to try to illustrate this point of commitment is because of people that I know in my life, Julie is one of those people that embodies this idea of commitment, but doesn't just embody it, then lives it out. She is incredibly committed to the things that she has uh, made that choice for, her family, her work, her friends. Uh, it, I mean, it's, it's quite remarkable in the way that she's committed to these things. So I thought uh, I would ask some questions. These are not scripted. I will say I gave these questions to her early, but we have earlier, we have not talked about these. So this is not a scripted interview. Um, but uh, Julie, I've already answered the first one. How long have you been a part of New Community? Well, no, I haven't. How long have you been a part of New Community? Uh, this one's the hardest question of all the ones that are there. It shouldn't be. It's, I know. <laughs> yeah, it's kind I of an easy question, honestly. I, 16, 17 years, something like that. 17 years, okay. How many people have been here longer than 17 years? One, two? Yeah. Okay, so this is one of the uh, unique things about New Community. Um, we are a pretty young community in that way. We don't have a lot of 17-year veterans uh, in the house. So um, we have a few, certainly, but um, that's kind of a unique aspect of our church. So uh, pretty cool. Um, commitment seems to be uh, important in our discipleship to Christ. Um, why do you think it's important to be committed? Um, as you're asking me that, committed to Christ or committed to the community? Uh, just sure. commitment. Yeah, I think we understand why we're committed to Christ. Maybe okay. beyond that, why are commitments uh, important to hold? Um, I think a lot of it is what he was just touching on. I think we live in a world today that is very easy. When he was talking about this idea of uh, you don't have to RSVP to something because you wait till the better option comes, um, there's too many great options out there. And I'm the first one to admit that I'm always trying to do the best option. Like I try and weigh everything out and it makes me indecisive actually at times. But I think committing, especially to people, um, is incredibly important, not just to live out the kingdom, but also to live out what it means to love Christ. And so, um, I, but I think it's a lot easier to not commit to people. It's a lot easier to just do what is great at the moment um, and not necessarily stop all the great things that you're doing because somebody needs you or because somebody in your group is going through a hard time and it's not what you want to do at that moment. You'd rather stay in your PJs and watch that movie, but you need to go and show up. Um, so I think it is incredibly important because I think it's how we grow in relationship with one another, but also how we grow in relationship with Christ because you can't have one without the other. Um. 17 years, a part of a new community. 
However, you guys left New Community <laughs> for a little while, which I never will ever let you forget when you left us all behind. Yeah. <clears throat> um, you, don't, uh, you have no idea how many times he's <laughs> pressed that button. <laughs> so you're pretty good at commitment, it yeah. sounds like. <laughs> uh, yeah. <clears throat> um, no, in seriousness, uh, you and Brad, you guys were a part of the church for a little while, then you left, and then uh, explain why and uh, how did that happen and what was the story behind that? Um, so a couple weeks ago, I shared when I was up here, I was sharing that for the first chunk of time that we were at New Community, we were the show up on Sunday consumer. Like we would just show up and be like, oh, what do you guys have for me? This is great. Not, we weren't saying that out loud, but that's what we were doing. Um, it was fun, we loved people that were there, but whether we were there or not didn't really matter. We weren't giving anything, um, we were just receiving. So after about, I don't know, this was, oh, it was when Olivia was born, our oldest, so it was a little bit after 06. Um, we were not in a small group, again, we were just showing up, and we were like, is, is this the church we wanna raise our kid in? Like, we haven't even asked that question, we just like it here. Um, and so for a chunk of time, we were like, well, I don't know. I've never even asked myself that because we had not committed to this community. And when I say committed, I don't mean we signed a membership card and we went through a class to be a part of the, or the community. It was, we were not giving of ourselves at this point and we were able to come and go as we pleased. Um, so for about three months, I left new community. <laughs> um, yeah, we know. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Russ likes to think he's been here longer than me because I left for a little bit too. Um, so I, we left for a little bit and I mean, there were some things about new community that we didn't love that was also part of it. And we were kind of like, uh, this isn't, maybe this isn't the place for us. So we went and we went to some other churches for chunks of time and we went to one church for a few weeks and then we went to another one and we're like, we got to find our spot because we have got a kid now. Um, and then we came back to new community for something after a few months and we walked in and we're like, oh, this is our home. Like it just, it felt right and it was more than that. Um, it felt right and it also, we realized we just haven't committed and planted roots here. We have just shown up as we needed to and there is no perfect church. <laughs> so hand in hand with us looking at these other churches, it was a really great experience for us honestly because um, what we realized is that Nowhere is gonna be perfect, but what new community is about, we are about, and we wanted to plug in. And so at that point was when I would say, we dove in and we started to think about, okay, we need to be in a small group, we need to be active, we need to do these things because that's what it means to live into community. And at that point, everything changed. Um, it's part of the reason why when people come who are new, I'm in charge of meeting with new people and I will say to them, before you jump in, decide this is your place and actually make an active decision. Because just showing up every Sunday isn't deciding it's your place. Um, and I actually, to be honest, if somebody decides a new community is not their place, that is fine. Like I, my goal is to get people plugged into a community and to say, go somewhere where you can serve, where you give and you receive, and be committed to that community. So if it's not here, that's fine. I'll help you find another place, but do it. Like make the plunge. Obviously we hope people find new community because I love it here and I think it's a really beautiful place. But to me, it's more important to be, to actually make that active decision to be involved and to be committed to a community of people. Hmm. And that's, so it was a great process. I just wish we would have done that earlier on. Sure. 
Um, uh, so maybe a little bit more of a challenging question. Uh, from your perspective, are there ever good reasons to leave a church community that you've committed to? Question, guys. <laughs> um, this is an easy one, Kevin. Um, no, obviously this is a complicated question because there's extremes, right? There are, there are extremes. I think, um, here's what I will say. I think when people are sent from a community, it's a really beautiful thing. When God is calling you to legitimately go and leave a community of people, it's with a purpose and a mission. I think the problem that I have seen is that people are a lot like Brad and I were um, at that stage. We have not arrived by all means, but at that stage in our life, it was very much about us. And so a lot of times I will hear, well, I'm leaving because I don't feel connected, or I'm leaving because I don't love this one aspect, or I'm leaving because this, and I don't think those are good reasons to leave a community. Um, I think, yes, if, if I was a part of a community that was doing major harm to people, I would say, I don't know if I could be a part of that com community. Like, that's a legitimate. If we were, if, for example, if new community, if our community as a whole all of a sudden became a racist community, I don't think I could stick around in that community. And I think that's legitimate. So yes, there are extremes, obviously, on both ends. But I think the reason that most people leave churches and not just new community, other churches as well, are reasons that should probably just be leaned into and dealt with and um, challenge yourself because whatever that, if it's a reason like that, you're going to go to another community and you're going to have the exact same problem there because we're all churches filled with people who are imperfect. So, um, yeah, I, I think overall there's not many great reasons to leave. That might be bold. You can push back on that later if you want, any of you. We'll put her email up on yep. the thing and you can send her emails. Um, okay, so uh, you mentioned small group several different times. Uh, Wait. Oh, yeah. I've got Go one ahead. more thing to add. Go this ahead, Julie. Yeah, yeah, no. Cut me off. This sure. Yeah, this is your show. That's um, great. I, <laughs> I was just thinking of a great example. It's actually somebody who doesn't go here, but um, we are, we've got some dear friends who have been a part of a church up north for years and years, and they have gone through these ups and downs, and every part of me have wanted them to come to new community because I love them dearly, and I would love for them to be a part of this community. And they're friends with a lot of people here, actually related to some people here, and... Um, at the same time, I have been incredibly inspired as their church has grown and shrunk and gone through leadership changes, and their kids at one point were literally only two people in youth group, um, but they said, no, this is our spot, and we are committed to this, and we are committed to making this better, and what they did, instead of pulling out like a lot of people did, is they dove in, mm -hmm. and they interviewed for a new pastor. They did all these things. They joined these committees, and they made it what they wanted it to be and what they knew it could be, and it's still growing. But that commitment was incredibly beautiful to me because it would have been way easier and there's probably a lot of reasons for them to walk away at that point or for many points. But so all that said, there's not a lot of great reasons. I think it's just a lot of times people leave because they don't want to put the work in. Yep. So. You were right. That was a good story to share. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, well done. Yeah. Uh, okay, Wait, so one <laughs> small group, uh, you've mentioned a couple of times as being an important thing. Um, uh, like I mentioned, you've been a part of, uh, we've been a part of a small group together for seven, eight, nine, ten years, somewhere around there. About almost ten years. Almost ten years. Um, and he's almost ten. 
what has been some of the most challenging things for you about committing to a smaller group of people? So you've talked a lot about being a part of a new community. Now you boil that down or distill that down to a smaller uh, group that meets weekly. What's been some of the challenging aspects of that? And you, we've got about five more minutes, just FYI. Do I have five minutes or we have five minutes? Uh, you've got about five more minutes. Okay. This uh, portion yeah, has about five more <laughs> <Okay>. minutes. <laughs> There's a time limit. Um, I would say for me personally, I am wired, honestly, to the outsider. Like, I am wired to be around people and to bring people in. Um, I, therefore, find myself in a lot of different aspects of life that I'm fully jumping into. So we've got small group, we've got our family, we've got the soccer community, we've got um, Olivia's volleyball community, like whatever my kids are doing, I feel like it's important to be where I'm at and be on mission there, which then makes it hard to be committed to a small group of people, right? Because there's so many options and so many things. So as our family has grown um, and the needs of them have become less, uh, a little bit more out of my control because my kids' schedules, all of a sudden I'm not in charge of them anymore, well, I am, but like, I can't just bring them with me. They've got their own community that they're reaching out in. It makes it, has made it harder for us, more of a challenge, I should say, to do this well and do that well and do that well and do our small group well. Meanwhile, the small group has been the core of all of that for us. And so there's times where, again, it would be way easier to not go on a Wednesday night or to not answer that call for help because there's other things that we need to be doing. But, um, yeah, it's, it's not. And there's been times where, honestly, our small group and the needs of our small group have had to come before the needs of our family. And I'm saying there's a balance with that. Like, we have to, it's been give and take, and there's also been really beautiful times where the needs of my family has actually come before the needs of the small group with our small group. So they have met our needs before mm -hmm. their own needs, which has been really beautiful. But there have definitely been seasons where we've walked through things with people in our group, um, some really pretty awful life situations that have taken time and emotion and all these things. So sometimes it feels like this, there's not enough time for all of it, but really <laughs> during those times what I'm realizing is that it's all related, it's all interconnected. And those times where my kids see, hey, we've got to give to these people right now, that's mm -hmm. actually a really beautiful example to, those, to my kids because that is ultimately what I want them to be doing too. So it's actually not taking away from them, it's actually becoming this more enriching experience for these kids. Hmm. So I guess just the tension of time, um, yeah. commitments, and all these things, but realizing that our small group has been the people and the core of what, um, really the last 10 years of what we've walked through life. Hmm. I mean, we've walked through life together. And then <clears throat> I know that you have mentioned, and I, uh, again, usually joke uh, at your expense about this, um, the idea of seasons of life and that you guys have uh, kind of walked through different seasons of life. And so where you're at right now, kind of this more like uh, fractured reality of all of these different communities that you feel to a degree called into to, to care for and love for. But that season of life will change too. I mean, eventually you won't have kids in the house anymore and uh, maybe more time, more margin. So um, I think it's important to kind of hold those things loosely to a degree and say, for this season, this is where we're at, and we're going to do it to the best of our ability. And in a different season, we'll have to kind of rearrange and figure out how to respond in that way. 
Well, that like actually January through April, uh, we were actually not even able to go to small group on. We have group on Wednesday. Is that nights. when you left our small group for <laughs> That's three when months? I left the, yeah, yeah. That was, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> it was cool. Here's the reality, though. We couldn't go on Wednesday nights. We had stuff we just legitimately couldn't go, and we knew we weren't going to be able to, so we talked to the group. Um, I would say we were no less a part of our small group for those four months than we were the four months before that, because in the same way that church is not a Sunday morning thing, small group is not just simply a Wednesday night thing. It is living life together throughout the week. So we were still, on the other nights, investing in people and reaching out to people, and they were investing in us. So we were just as much a part of that. But yes, there are seasons, and that's okay. Um, feel the freedom in that. But just because you can't go to one thing doesn't mean you're off the hook. Like, you got to really, at that point, we had to be creative and dive in deeper in other areas. I guess. We have not done it right. We have not arrived. But that is our, um, our that was our hope and our goal. Uh, again, I know uh, I <laughs> make jokes about this stuff. It's hard not to, honestly. Um, I get what I will say, lot, yeah, okay. what I will say about Julie and Brad is, um, so there was this season where Wednesday nights didn't work, uh, and rather than just not showing up on Wednesday nights, before that started, sometime in the late winter or I guess earlier winter time, November, uh, December, they came to our group and said, "Hey, here's the reality with our schedule, everybody." And we're offering it to you and saying, um, we're not going to be able to make it on Wednesday nights. How do we feel about this? And use this process of communal discernment to say, we are still very much committed. We can't be there on Wednesday night for a, a three-month um, season of time. However, we're committing to meeting people's needs and being with people in these ways. So uh, it was that kind of process of saying, we're going to, um, although we can't necessarily be there, we are looking beyond our own self-interest and looking to uh, the community as a whole and the betterment of the community as a whole, which I thought was, um, I really respected the way you guys handled that. Uh, last minute here. Um, if you were to speak to all these people, uh, the uh, maybe singular important aspect or practice of living into this idea of commitment, um, do you have any wisdom for us? Do you have maybe a kind of a, a final charge, a, a final encouragement? Uh, man, there's so many things that I would love to say. Um, here's the reality. Small groups are not the final answer. We love at New Community, we think small groups are the best way to live into community with people um, because it is a set time and you put it in your schedule and you do it. Um, I think my encouragement and my challenge would be to lean in and do the hard work. Not because you're gonna get rewarded and because it's gonna be really fun and because your life will automatically be easy and great and you've made all these best friends, um, but because it's incredibly important for you to grow um, as a person and grow in your relationship with the Lord. And the people that I have lived life with and lived life with vulnerably and um, we, like I said, we've walked through some hard things with people and they've walked through hard things with us. They're the people who call me out on things and they're the people who say, hey, Julie, this is not healthy in your life right now. Julie, maybe you need to put some boundaries up. Julie, um, I can also come and say, hey, I'm, Brad and I are struggling with this. Where am I wrong? Where is he wrong? How do we walk through this season together? Um, that's what I mean. And it's, it's not this, it's not easy but I would say if you're at a spot right now where either one, you've just been showing up and you walk in the doors and then you walk back out and then you come back next Sunday, lean into it. 
take that step, make that commitment, because it will be great for you. If you are somebody who's frustrated with something right now, lean into it and figure out that maybe you are the solution to that situation. Um, what I would hope is that people don't walk away and be like, ah, it's just too hard, too much. Because hmm. it is too hard and it is too much and that's okay. It's a really good thing. So I guess I would just say com community and commitment is hard. It's 100% worth it and I think it is absolutely vital to grow in your relationship with the Lord. Cool. Let's thank Julie. Thank you. So here is what I hope uh, you hear in this, what you hear in, uh, in what Julie just mentioned. This is not about an organization. It's always, always, always been about people. Julie's life is not connected to new community, the institution. It's about Jesus. It's about committing to a group of people that sit in this room, right? So commit your life to Christ, connect your life to the people that make this place this place. Now, this doesn't mean that uh, you have to interact or frankly know uh, everyone or frankly even like everyone in this room because there are people in this room that are different from you that think differently, that act differently, that value different things. And in this way, as Julie mentioned, community is not always easy. When we believe that that's the case, when we believe community will be easy, that's when we give in to what Bonhoeffer calls the wish dream. And if you've read Bonhoeffer's book, Life Together, it speaks a lot about this. Here's a, a, a quick quote. Those who love their dream of a Christian community more than they love the Christian community itself become destroyers of that Christian community, even though their personal intentions may be ever so honest, earnest, and sacrificial. God hates this wishful dreaming because it makes the dreamer proud and pretentious. Commitment to anything takes work. It's a conscious decision. It requires sacrifice. It demands discipline, but it's in these places that Christ meets us. So let me encourage you by saying God has placed you in this community. It is beautiful and it is broken. It is life-giving at times and it's disruptive at others. But let us not be destroyers of community with our wishes, but builders of community with our intentionality. Let us be a people that commits with their time, their energy, their resources, their words, and their actions. Because in that, in that commitment, we will be able to love one another deeply. And the world will know that we are Christ's disciples and the world will be made better. Amen. We're going to move into a time of communion. If you've been around new community for uh, any matter of time, you've probably noticed that the sacrament of communion is a deeply held value for us. It's something that we practice frequently. In taking of the bread and the wine, we are reminded of Christ our Lord, and we live into this value that we desire of commitment, of being together, of taking a sacrament together. In 1 Corinthians, Paul is calling the church to something beyond themselves, to reorient their lives around Christ, to live boldly together in and through the sacrament when he says this, 
For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and we had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, may also, uh, in the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, "The cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes." As the band begins to play, let us take the bread. Let us take the cup in remembrance of him and in our commitment together. <laughs> 